0: So the title of the message tonight is subscription, for the collection, and as we consider, think about this tonight, it's, it's uh, we're talking about standards, and standards is be faithful in giving the tithe to the church and supporting the mission program, and uh, that's what we're going to look at tonight, just as a reminder to us. So let's pray, Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love, your mercies. Thank you for your your word and for the instruction that gives us that everything can work in harmony and be in order according to your plan and purpose and glory in Christ Jesus. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> you know, in closing verses of chapter 15, the Bible says in, verse, in the last verse there, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abiding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. And the immediate verses after that address our giving, of money. Now, money is unfortunately a necessity of life. It is a necessity of life. Now, whether it's, whether it, you know, not everybody always had money like we have, I suppose. You know, there were times that people traded goods, you know, and that, that's a form of money. Anything you have to trade or buy with is money. In Ecclesiastes, I want to look at a couple of verses as we begin this tonight. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 12, (coughs) and then also chapter 10, verse 19. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 12 says this, For wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So, he says, money, wisdom's a defense, and so is money. It's a defense. That word defense has the idea of protection or shade. And wisdom, but wisdom gives life, and wisdom makes money effective. You know, money without wisdom can be wasted. It can be used to your own detriment. It's it's not a... um, what's what's the word i want it's immoral it it it's not it's not good or bad by itself money is not it's what you do with it it's sort of like a gun you know they say you know the guns are causing all the mass shootings and all that no a gun is immoral a gun isn't righteous or evil it can't do anything by itself it's an instrument that's in the hand of the user and that's what money is so m- wisdom gives life or makes money effective. It can't do anything by itself. But it, it can make money a defense, a protection, a useful tool that can greatly prosper one's life or destroy it. And we know from 1 Timothy chapter 6, the love of money is the root of all evil. Which some have covered it after the bear from faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So, so it can be a means of destruction, as well as a means of great good. It's all in the user, and that requires wisdom. Now, in, Pro, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, in verse 19. <coughs> uh, oh yeah, Ecclesiastes ten nineteen: A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry. But money answereth all things. Now, the word answereth there means it bears witness to. It responds as a witness, or you might say it this way, it gives evidence of the priorities in your life. Money. You know, Billy Graham said some things that were, that were true and good. One of the things I, heard, I read of him saying one time is that you can, you can tell much about a man by what he does with his money. And if you, if you have, if, the, if he would give the Lord control of his money, he, he has the man. Uh, and there's a lot of truth to that. See, how you, the, 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 the thought here is how you use money reveals much about you or bears witness to you as a person. It can reveal that you're wicked or it could reveal that you're righteous. It could reveal that you're selfish or you're unselfish. It could reveal you're a careful, wise steward or waster of what God has given you. And so, it's it bears witness to it reveals who we are. And so, as we think about money tonight and uh, the prescription for the saints, uh, you know, money is 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 really labor in form of capital. Um, you know, he who gives money is really giving of his labor because you you labor to earn money. Uh, that's that's how you get it. Well, um, well, at least most people do. Uh, you know, some have it just handed to them, but, but uh, oftentimes that doesn't go well. But anyway, uh, of course, there's much mishandling of that uh, in this area, uh, you know, uh, even with God's people. But, but we need to understand the purpose and what we are and how we ought to handle money. So uh, it, So it's given to us for a purpose. And so, as we consider this night, I want to notice four things. First of all, the place of collection of money, verses 1 and 2. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So, this was, of course, he's talking about let them buy it in store on the first day of the week. That was the day that the church assembled together. And so they were to bring it to the church and give their tithes and their offerings there at the church. Of course, this corresponds with what Israel was told to do in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 11. It says, Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall you bring All that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the heave offering of your hand and all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. So there was a place that God ordained, even the Old Testament saints, the children of Israel, that they were to bring their tithes and their offerings, their sacrifices. You know, if they wanted to kill an animal and eat it at home, that was fine. But if you're offering something to the Lord, there was a place to take it. And that was the temple. or At this time, it was the tabernacle. And, and so, that was the instruction that he gave them. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough. And, of course, that old house was at the, ta- the temple uh, at the times of Malachi. So, the people brought their tithes and their offerings to the temple. Uh, and we see this in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter four excuse me. Acts chapter four and verse thirty-four through thirty-seven says, Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prices of things that were sold, laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And and Joseph, who was by the Apostles and was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. In chapter five, verse two, uh, it says, "And kept back part of the price; his wife be also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet." So, so it, it was common, and the, the practice was that they brought their tithes and their 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 their, their money and laid it. At the apostles' feet, as it were uh for the distribution or the so the the proper use of it at this time, there was of course great suffering and hardship with the Jews that had been baptized and some had lost uh family and different things, and so there was a great need, and so there was a great sharing and again, this wasn't required. It was something that Barnabas and Ananias Sapphira did on their own. You know, of course, we know Ananias Sapphira lied about it. That's, that was a the problem they had with it. But it was something they did on their own free will. But all this clearly demonstrates they were to bring their tithes and offerings to the church. And, of course, you know God has chosen, clearly shown, this is his place of corporate worship in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God clearly demonstrated... By the Shekinah glory cloud at the tabernacle, and then the temple. When 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 they set up the tabernacle and they pulled the staves out of the ark of the covenant, the, the Shekinah glory cloud covered that place. And 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 when Solomon dedicated the temple, remember, and again they set up the altar and the ark of the covenant in the temple. Again, that Shekinah glory cloud covered that place. Speaking of God's presence, so this was where God's presence dwelt. This was where you were to bring your tithes, your offerings, your, your sacrifices. This is where you were to bring it. This is where we have corporate worship. And so when you come to the New Testament in Acts chapter 2 and the church is empowered and, and again the Spirit of God descends in the form of a dove signifying this is the place where God's people are to meet for corporate worship. And so, of course, you know, that veil was ripped from top to bottom, ending the the Old Testament sacrifices. So, every child of God is, remember, uh, to be a member of one of his churches and bring their tithes and offerings to the storehouse. Otherwise, you can be considered a robber. According to Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein we have robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. We you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You know, many people who claim to be saved don't take their tithes and offerings to the church. They're being disobedient to God. That's God's business. So this is the place of collection. Uh, the second thing we see here is the purpose of the collection. Again, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as given order to the churches of Galatia, so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let everyone you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. When I come, whomsoever you shall prove by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. Now, this instance itself, I believe, is referring to the dearth that was in Jerusalem and the churches, the churches on their own. You know, churches are independent and autonomous, and so the churches, uh, Paul Asked them this of them, like he mentions the churches of Galatia. Also, he asked of them if they would take an offering for the particular purpose of sending it to the churches in Judea that were in a great dearth. You know, there was a there was a a, a famine. uh, uh, Of course, there was persecution. Just a lot of things going on in Judea and Jerusalem that made, that was, made life very difficult. And so, so Paul had asked the Gentile churches and to, to take up an offering to help their brethren in Jerusalem. And he says, here's what you need to do. You bring it to your church. You bring it to your church. You see... This, Of course, the purpose of tithes and offerings is to provide for the means of the preaching and teaching of the gospel. In Old Testament times, the tithes and offerings were used for the temple and for those who worked in the ministry of the temple. If you happened to be in Chris's Sunday school class a few weeks ago, you learned that very clearly, that that was a purpose, was to provide for the Levites, the priests and the Levites, so that they could... They could uh, uh, fulfill their ministries at the temple. If, if they weren't, tithes and offerings were not brought in, the Levites would have to go out to their fields and earn their own living and would not be able to fulfill the, the, the purpose with which God ordained them. So, so they would bring the tithes in the storehouse. It says that there may be meat in my house. Now, why did he meet in the house of the Lord? Well... So the priests and the Levites had something to eat. You know, these there were thousands of Levites. And of course, there's a there's a lot of priests, and, and there were orders or certain times that they would serve in the temple, and then they would go home for a certain time, and others would come in and serve. And, and you can read about that in the Old Testament. But but so they lived there. For a period of time, weeks at a time or months at a time and served temple, and that meat that was brought in, the tithes and offerings of their offerings that was brought in was for them, for their survival. And of course, we we learned that in the book of Nehemiah that Eliashib had made a the room where they were to store all this stuff, Eliashib gave it to Tobiah, so the people didn't bring in their offerings because there was no place to put them. Therefore, the Levites had fled, it says, to their fields. And Paul uses that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13 and 14. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 9, 13 and 14. <coughs> he uses the Old Testament Levites and priests as an illustration of uh, New Testament ministry. First Corinthians nine thirteen, fourteen he says, Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord, Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So again, Paul uses the, the Old Testament priests and Levites who serve in the temple and who were provided by for by the tithes and offerings of the people whom they serve to illustrate the support and upkeep of the ministry of the church. Uh, <coughs> you know, 1 Timothy 5, verse 17 and 18. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17 and 18. The Bible says there, Let the elders that rule well be kind of worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Uh, so, you know, This is, again, for the providing for the pastor, the upkeep of building, the purchase of literature, the training and evangelism, for the support of missionaries to go on our behalf to fulfill the Great Commission. This is the purpose of bringing the tithes and offerings into the church. And so, there is a purpose. It's a God-given purpose, which we need to partake of. And participate in that we might enjoy the blessing of God the third thing we see here is the proportion of the collection proportion of the collection (coughs) in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 2 says upon the first day of the week that every one of you lay by him in a store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come now as I said this particular offering was not really for the church at Corinth it was an offering that Paul was going to come, and others with him, and we'll look at that in a minute, as we consider the, the propriety in giving. But Paul was going to come, and others with him, to get, pick up, and take it to those needy brethren in Judea. So this really wasn't the tithe. It was above that, as, and it says, as God hath prospered him. It means to grant a successful issue, to cause to prosper. So we're to give above and bond our tithe as God prospers us. I and mean, we see this in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 12 also. <coughs> 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 12 says, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to the hath not. Uh, so that is a principle of giving. And we are to give liberally of what is ours. Now, the tithe, however, the tithe, is the Lord's. Now, a tithe is 10%. And the tithe, some people say tithe is a New Testament doctrine. No, it's Old and New Testament. Look at Genesis, or or they say, actually what they say is it's, it's something that was under the law. No, it preceded the law. It's also spoken of in Hebrews. So Genesis 14, we see the first mention of tithe. And, and again, first mention is always very illustrative of, of what we need to understand concerning things. Genesis 14, uh, Abraham had gone to battle against the, uh, the kings who had taken Lot captive, and he defeats them and, and delivers Lot and all the goods and all the people and so on. And, and then in verse 17, it says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is in the Kingsdale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He was priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, that is, he blessed Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abram, the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And, he, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. In other words, Abraham gave tithes of everything he brought back to Melchizedek, who was a priest of the Most High God. So, he gave tithes of all, uh, it tells us. Uh, Again, that's very important to consider. In Leviticus chapter 27, (coughs) Leviticus 27, tithing is mentioned again. In verse 30, and it says, All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part. Now if you want, if you want to keep your tithe and give something else in place, and it, you're to give equal value and, and add a fifth to it. So you, if you had fruit, let's say, and uh, you didn't want to give fruit, you would value the fruit and then add a fifth to that value and t- give that as a tithe. You can give something else. But and so that's 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 what he's teaching here. But anyway, so all the tithe of land, whether a seed of land or a fruit tree, it is the Lord's. It says the Lord's. It's really a a it's, it's described as a, a debt we owe. I have a what to do with it. Um, Here it is. James Fawcett Brown, in speaking of this passage, says, All the tithe of the land, whether the sea of the land, this law gave the sanction of divine authority to the ancient usage. The whole produce of the land was subjected to the tithe or tribute. It was a yearly, quote-unquote, rent, which the Israelites, as tenants, paid to God. The owner of the land, in a thank offering, they rendered to him for the bounties." of his promise. And if you read in verse 32, it says, "...in concerning the tithe of the herd, or the flock, or even of the whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tent shall be holy unto the Lord." So, when it talks about that which passes under the rod, this would be talking about the animals. So this alludes to the mode of taking the tithe of cattle. So they tied other cattle, other sheep, other goats, whatever they had, "...which would have made pass singly through a narrow gateway where a person with a rod dipped in okra Stood, counting them, marked the back of every tenth beast, whether male or female, sound or unsound. So they were the tithe of everything. That speaks of gross income. That's what they were tithe of. Uh, Deuteronomy 14, 22 and 23. Also, Deuteronomy 14, 22 and 23. <coughs> says this thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there the tithe of the corn of the wine of the oil of the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always you know this was a this is a test of faith you know they were to bring this tithe you know Sometimes we, we get the idea, I can't afford to. You know, I've learned that no matter how much you make, you can afford to tithe. Because if you don't, if you're a child of God and you don't, you're cursed. You're under a curse. It's sort of like years ago when I was pastoring in Maine. There was a young lady in the church was seeing this young man, and he actually made a profession in a revival meeting we had there at one point and and he was coming faithfully uh, he never joined, but he was coming faithfully and then and they were talking about getting married, and then they moved in together and so uh I went to see them, and i said uh <clears throat> I said, uh, you know, I understand, you know, that you two want to get married. So why didn't you get married? Just get married. Well, we can't afford to. I said, you can't afford to. No, we can't afford a wedding, you know, and a uh, reception and, you know, and all this stuff. We can't afford it. I said, you don't have to have that. I said, why didn't you just get down to the justice of peace? It wouldn't have cost you hardly anything marriage license. Or you could have come to the church and I I could give you some counseling and, and we could have had a small ceremony with your 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 friends and your parents and the church could have had a, a little reception for you. It wouldn't cost you hardly anything. Well, you know, we we wanted a you know they wanted this bigger wedding. But they didn't have much. I said, so what you have chosen to do is to put yourself under a curse before God because you want a show to people. You want to have something nice, which you don't have the money to do. But you put yourself under a curse because you you set God up against you by your living in sin. See, when we disobey God, we set God against us. We set God against us. I heard an old preacher, Bob Hamlin was his name. I only ever heard him preach one time. I knew of him, but I only heard him preach one time. And in that service, he said, he was talking about tithing and people disobeying. He said, he said, the old timers used to say that Deacon so-and-so is in the hospital getting his tithes cut out. You see, if you don't tithe, you're cursed. Now, our giving beyond that is a matter of offering, and, and this is really the, the 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 basis of the the, the passage we're looking at. But uh, but we're covering tithing also. But so and that's why he said in in First Corinthians sixteen verse two, as God has prospered him. So if you want to give above and beyond that, by the way, the children of Israel gave offerings. Above and beyond ties. They did it constantly. They did it constantly. <clears throat> See. We are to give liberally. Uh, in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 16. It says. And when I come. Whomsoever ye shall prove by your letters. Then will I send to bring your liberality. Under Jerusalem. This is, this is one area where you are allowed to be a liberal. In your giving. You know. You know, giving, giving, you know, God wants us to give. Our, 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 our offerings are to be governed by grace, bounty, how God prospers us, and charitable or cheerful. God doesn't want to give it. Uh, you know, I want to give, but I really don't want to give. You might as well not give it. And it's giving out of abundance of a giving heart not necessarily a large purse. Now, Luke 21, 1-4 says, He looked up and saw rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. He saw also a certain poor widow casting in hither two mites. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you, this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. So, they were giving out of their abundance, she was giving out of her poverty. And the Lord said she gave much and they gave little, even though their gifts were much larger than hers. So, it's a matter of abundance, it's a matter of your heart. Uh, Lawrence said this, quote, an offering is not small because of its size. A small offering may be a liberal one. A large offering may be contemptible. An offering is small when it is less than it might be. Unquote. You know, someone may be generous when he gives $200. And another may be stingy when they give $5,000. i am just saying that for comparison. But if you want to give $5,000, that would be great. Now, uh, but, you know, re- liberality is a relative term. It's a relative term. So it, it, it's, you know, you're... Your your rate of liberality is determined by the amount you have been prospered with, not by what you necessarily give. And so so giving is not to be based on the amount you give, but what you have. And that's a principle taught in Proverbs chapter eleven. We're to sow, not to sow sparingly. Now, you know, I've heard people say, Well, I just give everything I had. Well, that's kind of reckless. You know. Hey, if if God so moves you and you're sure about it that God that He wants to give everything you make for a month, to the Lord why why you know go for it, but you're also responsible to provide for your own house. You're responsible to provide for your own house. So like the the preacher again, the preacher I heard at, that in a conference and he was talking about this and this. That he said this preacher always bragged about. You know, whenever the offering plate, he just put in everything he had. And he said, the Lord always provides my need. He said, yeah, he provided his lunch out of my back pocket. Hmm. Yeah. So, no, we're to give, liber- we're to sow liberally, but that doesn't mean we sow, you know, a farmer doesn't sow everything. You know, when we plant, we, we harvested wheat first of July. We sowed wheat late October, early November. We did not sow everything we harvest. So we'd have wheat till the next harvest. We did invest by sowing a good rate of seed so that next year we'd get a, another good harvest. So, but again, we didn't sow everything we had. In other words, we didn't give away, you know, to give away everything you have That's not the idea here. So we're to give, but we ought to give liberally. That's the proportion. And then the propriety in given, verses 3 and 4. He says, when I come, whomsoever you should prove by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality under Jerusalem. And if we meet that I go also, they shall go with me. So the word propriety means conformity to established standards of good or proper behavior or manners. Now, it's a sad reality that churches do not have good reputations for handling money. Are considered high risk for credit by banks. And many times there's lots of mistrust. There is mishandling of funds in churches. Um, sometimes churches just don't use common sense. Uh, sometimes we just don't use common sense, you know. It, sometimes it appears that we think we're exempt from the laws of sowing and reaping. But Paul here established some parameters by which this money was to be handled. In other words, he didn't come to Corinth by himself, take the money, and head off to Jerusalem. He wasn't doing that. No, he said, leave we meet. He said, when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve. By your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be me, or fitting, that I go also, they shall go with me. But he wasn't taking that money by himself. Now, could Paul be trusted? Oh, I think, you know, I would trust him with my house, you know, my family. I'd trust him with anything. I had. But you know what? Even though he's trustworthy... And you send him off to Jerusalem by himself with this money, and he 's robbed on the way and loses half of it. Robert just takes half of it. He gets to Jerusalem with the other half, and he tells a story about how he escaped with half of the money and there's some people who are going to say uh, that's a likely story yeah that 's just a likely story see he could be or he could just be accused. well, they gave you more than that at Corinth, and you didn't have that much when you got. Jerusalem would he have a witness no and so he says hey whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters them will I send so there was to be checks and balances here but how this was money this is handled you know again we learned that when Chris was going through the book of Ezra and Ezra proportioned out and gave me an accounting of what he gave before his travels back to Jerusalem uh, with all that silver and gold worth millions of dollars in today's economy. And, and they, they it out to different ones and they had, took an accounting of it. Why? So there were no questions asked. <clears throat> you know, I was... became the pastor at Lee Baptist Church... After the first year, I asked for an audit of the books by a couple, another couple in the church that had nothing to do with the handling of money. And the treasurer got offended and was going to quit. And I said, Okay, if you want to quit, quit. But I said, You need to understand something. I'm not doing this because I think you're cheating or taking some money. I'm doing this to prove you're doing a good job and nobody can question it. And then they apologized and they didn't quit. You See, we just need to provide or protect the integrity of those who are handling it from being accused, number one, and secondly from a form of ten- temptation. So. So there needs to be propriety and, and, and faithfulness in this. Of course in Nehemiah 13. 4 through 13. Eliashib was the priest. Was unfaithful in his duties. The priest. The high priest. And he took part of the temple. That was used for the provision of the Levites. Singers and the porters, And the priests, And he rented it out. Or gave it out. To Debiah. So, uh, you know, again, these, this was their survival of these that worked in the temple. So when the temple was compromised, the people did not bring their offerings. The temple workers fled. It caused them to flee. They had to, to, to leave to uh, survive. You know, when, when, when money is not handled properly or above board, it raises questions and doubts in people's minds. And who suffers? Everybody does. The Levites suffered and the people suffered. So the leadership suffered and the people suffered. The people were robbed of bringing their tithes and offerings to the place God had chosen for them. They were robbed of God's blessing because the high priest had violated God's command. And then, of course, the Levites, those in leadership, suffered as well. So when you don't bring your tithes and offerings, who suffers? Well, the church does. The pastor will suffer. God's people will, be, will suffer because they're cursed or doomed because we miss the blessing of giving God what is rightfully His and worshiping Him with our tithes and offerings. You know, that's what worship is, giving God what is rightfully His. And what rightfully His are our tithes and our offerings. And so we are commanded by the Lord to bring our tithes and offerings into the storehouse, the Lord's church, so that the work of the ministry can go forward, that we can... Have ministries going on in other parts of the world as well, wor- world as well, through the offerings of God's people. So let's give of our tithes and our offerings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. We thank you for the truth of thy word and the examples that are uh, given to us in it of those that have gone before us. And I pray that you'd help us just to be faithful in this area of our life and service for thee, that you might be glorified. And your church will go forward and prosper, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.